0: You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Welcome to episode 60 of the 515 Podcast. Thank you, John. John's giving me double guns, which means I did a good job, so Nailed I'm it. very excited. This is Jason Priestmar with John Wayne McMahon. John, how are you doing this afternoon?
1: I am pleasant.
0: I know you didn't have a nap. You've already t- we already talked about how you're so sleepy.
1: Yeah, I'm tired. So. But it is like 8 o'clock, it's past my bedtime That's fair
0: <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> no,
1: not quite Close. Luke's <laughs> bedtime, which mine's not far after
0: No, yeah, yeah, exactly um, We are on a new sermon series this week That we are, sir And um, you did not preach on it this I week I did and I was on vacation That happens Yep So
1: welcome back Thank you um, it, was, it was a grand trip
0: That's good a lot to, of To Waco Texas. Like Wally World. You were doing the yeah. Everybody, Everybody dreams
1: about Waco when they think of vacation. Yeah. And then uh, shout out to friends that love Waco, because I know I have some. <laughs> um, and then to Edmond, Oklahoma, which oh. we do have friends in Edmond, and we didn't get to see any of them. Oh. A couple of them left town. Uh, and then shout out to Matt and Emily. They left town, though. I don't know if they're still listening to the podcast, but Maybe. And then, and then we, there were some uh, other friends that we were going to see, and they had sick kiddos. And uh, oh, so,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, oh well. But that's fun. It's it's good to get out and spend yeah. some time with. Yeah, it was a good trip. Family.
1: We did eight hours in a car with a six month old coming home.
0: Mm, that was not advised. No, it you wasn't. should have asked for some. Yeah, some tips <laughs> on that. For
1: sure. I didn't know how else you. I don't think you can like ship him like in another way. So no. Yeah, we should have flown. I don't know. I don't know. No, that's probably worse because <laughs> of the pressure.
0: Yeah. So anyway, let's talk about this new series because this is all based on the parables. Yes. Is what uh, the graphic I saw on the screen this Sunday said. Yes. So uh, tell me just a little bit about how you guys came up with that decision to go into the parables. Was this another one of those it was, summer kind of casual It was. An,
1: there was this crazy brainstorming session, like God brought fire from Ooh, on high. Awesome. Awesome. No, uh, Bert Palmer, new pastor, was like, I think we're going to do the parables this summer. Um, and so it was a series he, he had been wanting to do. And it is kind of a casual. What's good about it in the summer is for people that are traveling and all over the place. Um, this is one that is a series, but mm-hmm. you don't have to hear one Yeah, that's fair. to get the next one. Because yeah, exactly. they're, they're, they're stories in themselves. And yeah. so it's a fun one. It's a, it's a cool one to do. And there's a lot of them that we can choose from. Cool. And so um, we're ex- I'm excited about it.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So uh, the last week we talked about the Good Samaritan. Yeah. The parable of the Good Samaritan. That's right. So let's take just a small step back before we specifically talk about the Samaritan. Yeah. And those other people in the story. What... What is this parable that I keep hearing about? What is a parable?
1: Yeah, good. So parables are these stories that Jesus tells um, throughout the New Testament. There's a lot of them. Um, and so I think there's a lot, actually a lot of misconceptions about parables. So this is a good question for us to talk about at the beginning of this series. Um, so parables, um, sometimes, you know, this is one of the sayings that I always heard in church. And I actually uh, agree with a professor that, that teaches on parables yeah. a lot that um, I got to see speak. Uh, not too long ago, and he. But this this saying that I've often heard is that they're earthly stories with heavenly meanings, which is really cute and like, I don't know, Sunday schooly. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of like a really sweet old lady that I went to church with in in my home church, and that sounds like something she would say. Right. Um, the problem with that is that it does. I don't think it gives enough weight and power to to what um, parables are. Um, that there's just that kind of makes it into like this really sweet like Chinese proverb or something you know like it just
0: I'm picturing like one of those desktop calendars yeah desktop calendar, yeah, a so desktop buy, calendar <laughs> like
1: oh that's nice yeah. and like or a fortune cookie or something yeah, yeah. Um, that's just a little more wordy but that's that's really not what they are they're about life like right now they mm-hmm. speak into our context right now that that makes them incredibly unique um, another way I've seen them misused in church is sometimes and I've done this. Uh, we use them as sermon illustrations,
0: mm. but
1: these stories are are sermons. They're not sermon illustrations. Yeah. We should focus on them one at a time, and and you can use some other things to come about it. But to just like reference a story quickly in a sermon or in a in a like one off, it doesn't really do it justice. And we'll talk about why that is mm-hmm. uh, as we go on today. Um, really, they're they're metaphors. Um, and and God does this throughout the narrative of the Bible. He uses familiar things to teach about something unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus does that with his parables. He uses agricultural language, farm, farming language, all of this stuff uh, that they're going to see going on around them. Um, so that anyone, whether they're rich, whether they're uh, in the Jewish faith, mm-hmm. whether they're poor, whether they're whoever it is, whether they're Samaritan like uh, lawyers, tax collectors, like whoever it is, that they can interact with this story right off the bat. They may not get it, but they know the language and they know the story. It may not go to the heart of hearts of what it's getting at for every individual. As a matter of fact, there's different places. The disciples are like, dude, why are you talking like this? (laughs) And Jesus, you know, interacts with them a little bit and says, you know, this is, this is something I'm using for, for you. And for those that hear those who have years To hear and are not hearing He quotes Isaiah This whole confusing thing Like he Are you talking in code Jesus Like what is this about So anyways It's really interesting Um, Let me give you a definition This is not mine This is from um, From a professor named Wesley Allen Oh Wesley Allen Jr. He's a, uh, I think it's the Dean of Chapel at SMU Perkins School of Theology. Um, he's at least a homiletics professor. But anyways, he, he would give this, and I like this, so mm-hmm. I've, I've hung on to it. A parable is a narrative metaphor drawn from nature or common life which arrests the hearer by its vividness or strangeness and leaves the mind in sufficient doubt... About its precise interpretation or application to tease it into active thought, even to the point of altering one's worldview. That's a huge definition. So let me kind of break that apart. Thank you. A parable is a narrative metaphor. It's a metaphor, like um, when we talk about, um, uh, well, give me an example of a metaphor. When I say, if I say it's like, uh, Uh, Well, that would be a simile, but if if I describe something in a way that doesn't apply to what it is, if I use language that's not exactly what's going Mm -hmm. on, like um, that dude is on fire Right when I say like he's shooting hoops and he's hit so many he's on fire, yeah. I'm using kind of metaphorical language to talk about what's going on. Right, mm-hmm. uh, I just went back to my NBA Jam <laughs> days. <laughs> he's on fire. I don't know why that was the first thing that came to mind. That's great. Um, but but metaphorical language that uses descriptive imagery that's not literal interpretation, mm-hmm. but it it still tells the story. So narrative metaphor, it's a story. It's a it tells this narrative with characters and things like that. It's. T- taken from nature or common life and so uh used from farming or seed we talk about seeds and you know uh um talked about wheat and chaff or goat and sheep mm-hmm. or uh pearls uh, fields you know all of these parables have all this um or common life something that people would understand right off the bat particularly in Jesus' context yeah. uh, which arrests the hearer by its vividness or strangeness um it it grabs a hold of us. As a matter of fact, the good Samaritan, Jesus is telling a crowd, and particularly one person who we'll mention in a second, that this story is going to shock them. For him to use a Samaritan in the story with these groups of Jews, when the Jews hated Samaria mm. and hated Samaritans, um, this is going to grab a hold of them. It's very strange. And so they wouldn't, it, I mean, it would suck the air out of the room mm. for them to hear Jesus get to the point like, oh and then a samaritan stopped and helped the guy you're like
0: what yeah <laughs> this is when the whole room goes so quiet. that that
1: arrests them by <laughs> yeah, that that uh-huh. picture okay. of what's going on and it leaves the mind in sufficient doubt about its precise inter interpretation or application that is what is so interesting and intriguing to me because if you think you have all the answers or you know the exact interpretation of a parable um I would argue, along with people much smarter than I, that you are probably viewing it in too small of a view. Hmm. Me- these these metaphors or these interpretations there's wrong ways to interpret them, but if you all of a sudden just say this is how it is, uh, the prodigal sons, what we're doing this week. That the the father is god and and you know mm, right. i'm, I'm a, a younger brother and yeah. that's just how it is then you're missing some layers that can speak to us at different seasons of life mm, and different yeah. things that are going on and so um Jesus Intentionally, and Jewish teachers, because Jesus wasn't the only one doing this. This is all throughout ancient Jewish literature that they're using parables. Um, They teach in this way that it causes sufficient doubt so that they have to work for it, that there is a a partnership in both the communicator and the hearer Hmm. uh, when it comes to a parable. So... Sometimes it's necessary for us to speak very bluntly or for teachers or preachers to say something critical of, of society or culture around us, but Jesus does this magical thing where he says some really harsh things in a story that leaves people like... Wait, what? (laughs) And like the offensiveness takes time to set in, or like, I mean, it's like a a, just a total mind bomb that he drops on these people in a subtle way with a story about farming or a story about some guy on Hmm. the side of the road. So, the last part of that definition to tease into active thought, even to the point of altering one's own worldview. And so, that's what we see taking place in most of these stories.
0: Does he ever use, um, are these all like just illustrations or are they ever like historical references or, or do, does he use people that are known to be like, oh, you know, Caesar walks into a bar and yeah. they, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't have an example. Two Jews and
1: Caesar. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, I like I maybe, but I, I don't think so. I don't think there's any historical evidence that he's using actual stories to do this. These are just
0: like, OK. Here's an example. These are Here's straight up metaphors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. these okay. are these Good. are
1: these illustrations that he's using to communicate something. Yeah. Um, I mean, you think about the Good Samaritan. If that story would happen, no Jew is telling that story.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's a true. Th- yeah, they would not yeah. certainly retell it. Yeah. That same way, They'd right? Like, well, let's change this up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let, yeah. Let's
1: tell it a different way. Yeah. The the priest, the Levite. Somebody's gonna somebody else is gonna stop in the retelling yeah. of that story, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Um. So. Oh, ooh, power blood. Yeah. What is the um, significance? So we talked about the guy that actually asked the question. Yeah, it starts. It
1: starts with a guy who, uh, verse twenty-five of that chapter, uh, sometimes is interpreted as lawyer, and and sometimes is interpreted as an expert of the law. Okay.
0: Yeah. So is he actually a a barrister? Oh or? yeah, is he actually a, is he like a legal? Is he a real lawyer? Yeah.
1: Did he did pass the bar? Yeah. Uh, exactly. Did he did he. Get his, you know, did he pass his LSAT? he go to school and all I'm that stuff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that commercial? Oh, yeah. That guy walking down the road with the 18-wheeler coming yeah. at him. He's it, like, I've been, watching, me the
0: Hammer. I've been watching these commercials my entire life. That is And unbelievable. now they're just getting more and more absurd. I
1: know. I remember the one with the eagle screaming. Yes. But this one is something else. That guy's scary. Anyways, yeah. back to... So, no, this guy is not like Aww. Texas Hammer. All right. Um, actually, this guy's probably an expert in the law. I think that's a better interpretation of what's going on. So, he's someone who would interpret... And not the legal law like we think about, but the Jewish law, the law of Moses. Okay, yeah. And so ceremonial laws, like um, uh, Sabbath laws, uh, moral laws, all of those things that are kind of laid out in in uh, Levitical code and and the, that are passed from God to Moses. These experts would be the know it alls of the Jewish faith of the Torah and would be able to make these rulings or judgments about whether people are being faithful to the law or not being faithful to the law. And so he's kind of like the he's like the the uh, got all of the pins for Sunday school participation has been around forever. You know, <laughs> yeah. like like that's kind of who he is in the story. And so when he asks Jesus, like, so you know, like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There can be some snobbery to it, mm-hmm. or or um, there there's something going on there that uh, that that should catch our attention when we're looking at it. And so he's not really a lawyer, um, but someone who would know this. And it it's almost like he's putting. And he he really seems to be putting Jesus on the spot. If you're really kind of this this great wise prophet, sage, teacher, rabbi that you say you are, then uh, Mr. Sabbath breaker, uh, breaker of everything, uh, what is it? How do how do we earn eternal life? And so that that kind of leads into this this moral story. Remember that forces a change of worldview. Mm-hmm. By forcing the Jew who thinks he not only does he follow the law, but he's the interpreter of the law, yeah. uh, actually would you do what I'm about to do? What I'm about to tell you in the story, and so like that's the the radicalness that Jesus uses in the parable and how powerful it can be.
0: Now I'm thinking, you know, we all know people like this, yeah, in our lives, or um, maybe we are that person, yeah. You know, so uh, I think that's really powerful that it kind of makes them th- think, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to catch him. I was trying to get him to slip up, and yeah. he's really kind of like showed me, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, right. That's the guy yeah. who is gonna. Earn, well, and you know, well, think the, about how learn.
1: often we get um, arrogant about our our perspective of how God should rule and reign, and exactly. how things should go in life. Yeah, like we can just get angry about things that make sense for us to be angry about, but like when God's telling Job, like, "Hey, dude." Where were you when I hung the stars in the sky? Yeah, you know, like that's kind of the thing that I hear in the story. Like, not a not a a, a pompous Jesus is Jesus is kind of. I'm, I'm about to tell you a story that's going to flip everything that you know around on its head, and mm. so that's what that's what's happening here. Yeah,
0: he could have dismissed the question. Yeah, he could have said, "No, you idiot, you don't get it." Yeah, but. He didn't. He he said, "Here's a scenario. You know, here's."
1: Well, I think that leads to another point too that I kind of hinted at, but but probably worth saying out loud. Jesus uses parables um, for for several reasons. We talked about some earlier, but this story is going to be one that sticks with everyone that hears it for a long, long time.
0: Even nonbelievers. Yes,
1: and so <laughs> in that moment, Jesus could yeah. have said something very blunt like, mm-hmm. "You're an idiot, and mm-hmm. you wouldn't love a Samaritan or something like that." You know, but a Samaritan, you know. He could have said something really blunt, or critique Mm -hmm. the culture around us. Like I think of um, if you ever if you've ever heard a preacher, and I do this sometimes, and I I was kind of convicted as I was thinking about this today and and preparing for this, a preacher that kind of calls out cultural issues or things really bluntly, and that's okay. But culture issues are going to be different tomorrow and different the next day. Jesus is using a story that's long lasting; is going to speak into this morality of what it means to love your neighbor and love people around you, and. Things like that, mm. in a way that is long-lasting, is going to apply to every layer of social problem that we're going to have in this subject. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's that's a really important thing um, for anyone who. For that person that's in the crowd that hears this story from Jesus and then five years from then or 20 years from then encounters somebody like this, someone dead in the ditch uh, who they normally would not stop for, mm-hmm. this story is probably going to pop into their mind. I mean, yeah. like, and that's a powerful, powerful tool.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So um, is that the takeaway here or are there other? Are there- I think there's, a,
1: again, as I was hinting to earlier, there's actually like for me to give one takeaway. Yeah would not do justice to the good Samaritan. Now a preacher, Uh, is not, it's not a preacher's job necessarily to try and give all possible interpretations of a parable. So throughout the series, the preacher, uh, depending on who you are, I I know Bert and Chris preached on this parable in different ways Mm -hmm. and came out with different takeaways, Mm -hmm. and that's to be expected. And so to give you one takeaway would be uh, hard to do. But let me just, let me give you another perspective. Part of our uh, series, we've been uh, looking at a book written by J. Ellsworth Callas, who is a... a well-known, um, famous preacher, uh, Methodist preacher in the United States uh, over the last um, many decades. He just recently passed away in his 90s. He was a, a great professor, former president, dean of chapel and stuff like that at Asbury Theological Seminary. I got to take a class with one of his last classes oh, cool. that he taught. Um, many, I don't know about some of our listeners, but many of our church people would know J. Ellsworth Callis okay. uh, because he used to preach all over the place. He came and spoke at our church a long time ago go and those kind of things. Anyways, he, he did a great job of telling a narrative story by telling these parables that he wrote a book called uh, The Parables from the Backside, where he tells them from another perspective. And the one that he preached on this that's in that book is fascinating to consider and I think speaks into our context and culture of some things that we're going through right now. So briefly, let me just say uh, another way to think about this. To look at the perspective of the person who's dead in the ditch, and I know Chris talked about that a little bit, Uh, but think about the bad news it might have been for that person, and here's what I mean. Even though they're like lying there beat up and destroyed, the person who ends up helping them is the person that he actually hates, Mm -hmm. like hates. And how often have we um, been judgmental of people and not wanted to accept help from someone else? Mm. Even if we don't hate them. Now imagine it's someone that we've spent most of our life hating. It could be a people group that we have some underlying racism or something against. It could be uh, the angry neighbor that we have next door to us. It could be um, a relative or something. And then for all of a sudden, that person out of nowhere to be the one who shows grace and to love us, I can see the uh, the person lying in the ditch going, no, no, no. God, why couldn't you have sent me somebody else? Like, I don't like this person. They smell. I don't, I would never, they would never eat with Samaritans. Mm-hmm. And so for him to come to in the end or whenever it happens and for him to realize fully what's going on, that might not be good news. And, and Callis talks about uh, the, the uh, illustration he uses is one time he was doing a delivery when he had, when he was a young boy and had um, some kind of uh, uh, job that was like delivering newspapers or something. I can't remember what it is. His car runs out of gas. And when he, uh, when it runs out of gas, these guys come running across the street and they're like, Let, "Let's help! Let me help you. You just you just ran out of gas. Gas station's not far. I'll just siphon some of my own gas, yeah. and I'll give it to you." And and Callis says, "No, no, no, you don't have to do that." Um, and I'm quickly breezing over this story, but no, 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 you don't. You really don't have to do that. He's like, "No, I insist." And so he did the whole thing with a hose, where you get some gas in your mouth yeah. and have to spit it out. And he poured a little bit in a can. They poured it in Callis's car. And uh, just before he left, Callis is talking to the two guys, and he says you know what do you guys do and they're like oh well we we run the adult uh club over there yeah we run the topless bar that's over yeah. there essentially oh, my and so callus immediately is like oh uh i shouldn't have got help from these guys and that's the kind of the thought that enters in yeah and so i wonder um who are those people in our life that we would never want for them to help us yeah and that is a that's an interesting way to think about it so let me share let me just close with a quote from him okay um, but the he volunteers to help the Samaritan we try to explain I can pay my own way I'm a deserving person you know and the stranger answers no one can purchase what I offer nor can anyone deserve it but I shall be glad to give it to you and he lifts us to his donkey a wondrously awkward beast called grace but you and I don't want that kind of help this Samaritan embarrasses us by his very kindness and mercy because he won't let us pay our way and because he isn't impressed by our cred- credentials it is a gift that we can never in any way repay. Sometimes we think we'd rather die in our lostness than humble ourselves to receive the stranger's gift. I have a feeling that the dying man in Jesus' parable must have felt that way when his help came by way of the despised Samaritan, and I know full well that you and I draw back when God's eternal Samaritan extends his offer. We accept him only when our need is so desperate that we must accept him, only when we confess that we are powerless to help ourselves and only when we see what love this divine Samaritan offers only then are we willing to be lifted onto the donkey called grace and ride it alongside Christ the Samaritan into God's safe and eternal lodging so just a a really cool um, another interpretation another way to look at this story the good Samaritan um, another way to be challenged by it and so um, friends when when you're reading through the Bible through the Gospels and you get to a, a um, a story like the Good Samaritan, the prodigal son or whatever it is and you oh I know this story mm-hmm. and, and you want to glance over it or just kind of read through it uh, really quickly. Let me just challenge you to slow down yeah And maybe that that parable is going to speak to you in the season of life you're in or, or the day that you're going through in a way that you never thought of and, and never dreamed of. And I think that's that's a really cool thing about parables mm-hmm. and what they
0: can offer. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. So now, I mean, I had a question about um, yeah about next week's sermon. So I don't want to ask it. I'm gonna try and save it. Okay. Uh. But yeah, uh, we've talked about the about prodigal son. Yeah. I was like, oh, uh, I haven't thought them. No, no, it's not. Write it down. Make sure you write it down. I promise I'll forget. Where it. somewhere you'll keep it? <laughs> no, I'll <don't> forget it. <laughs> Uh, So
1: anyways, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. Prodigal Son's coming this week. We're doing a bunch of fun parables over the next several weeks, and so it'll be a lot of fun. Those of you in the Vine, uh, missed you guys last week, and I can't wait to be back in there. Uh, Thanks for... You know loving on my family, letting us go on
0: vacation, stuff like that. And I know we have a lot of people who are traveling themselves or on vacation. And I've had people reach out to me and say, Hey, I missed the sermon the past two weeks, I've been gone. Yeah, but I did hear the podcast, so good. I'm really grateful for that's those, g- that that's feedback. Good. I love hearing that's
1: that. That's good. Uh, one quick reminder UM Army leaves out this Sunday, okay? 15th, and, yeah. Going to Longview, that includes me and oh, Ryan, okay? And so, for those of you in the vine, be praying for Ryan and I as we help lead worship and in, uh, in different uh capacities, it kind of of spiritual directors throughout the week and so be praying for us and Clint and the students and everybody involved. Um, 11 o'clock uh, Vine this week is the send off for that uh, yes. Okay. and so we'll commission that team they'll be in there it'll be packed house it'll be on time don't yes. sit around with those donuts and coffee too long uh, but get in there and grab a seat we'll we'll get out chairs and we'll pack the house it'll be a lot of fun I'm so excited for that
0: there's plenty of seating at the front
1: yeah exactly so great it'll be a great time then the week after the UM Army will come back into the 11 o'clock service mm-hmm. for testimonial time awesome and so if you want to come and celebrate UM Army you can be there for that if you uh, want to continue in this series Mm-hmm. Uh, change plans go to the 940 vine or uh, go over check out the sanctuary um, either way it's going to be a great great couple weeks perfect That's good, okay?
0: good information perfect alright friends thank love you, so you guys
1: praying for y'all always and we'll talk to you later thank you